I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, episode 11. I saw a pillar of light, studying Joseph Smith history, chapter 1, verses 1 through 26. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come follow me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Alrighty, so we're looking at Joseph Smith history, the first 26 verses. Um, We are also going to be looking at a couple of talks by President Nelson, um, Revelation for the Church, Revelation for Our Lives, from April 2018 conference, Hear Him, um, from the April 2020 conference, And then I also am going to be a little bit in the Book of Mormon, um, mostly around 1st Nephi. And then also, um, did you know that there are other accounts of Joseph Smith's first vision? I didn't. And I was really kind of excited to see the other accounts. And you can find them on the church website. Um, if you go to, it tells you in the come follow me where to go to, to find them. Um, and I, I really enjoyed reading them. I feel like, um, I know some people, um, it said that some people use the fact that there are different accounts to like refute Joseph Smith's first vision. But I think about myself as a storyteller And when I'm recounting an experience I had, I, my details are a little different depending on who I'm talking to and what details I feel like are going to be relevant to them. And then whether I'm writing it down or whether I'm, um, dictating it, like if I'm speaking about it, it's going to be different. Um, but as a whole, all four of them say the same thing. Um, and so anyway, I looked into those as well. So let's jump on into this. Um, Let's look at first, the one thing I wanted to start with, and I just loved this um, in the March 1st, 1842 version of the um, Joseph Smith history or the first vision. It's also known as the Wentworth letter. Um, Joseph Smith says, God could not be the author of so much confusion. And I just love that because you look at, in Joseph Smith history, he talks about what's going on in the time and how, um, there's all these different churches and they're all, you know, kind of vying for his attention. And I feel like what he says in the Wentworth letter, that one little line is so representative of Christ and of Heavenly Father that they're they're not. They're not the author of confusion, right? We know that Satan is the author of confusion. He loves when we're running around confused and unsure of what to do because then we're not doing really anything, right? And the um, we're not following what Heavenly Father wants us to do because we're running around confused, like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, right? Um, and so I love, um, in Joseph Smith history, verse six, at the end, he talks about how, you know, they talked about, 
um, the priests talked about how, oh, we love everybody, we love everybody. Um, but then once you made a choice, then suddenly it was priest contending against priest, convert contending against convert, so that all their good feelings, one for another, if they ever had any, were entirely lost in a strife of words and a contest about opinions. And I feel like if... <laughs> That doesn't sum up what human beings are like. And, um, and this is not because of God, right? This work, this running around, this contention between priests and between churches and between converts, that is not God at work. That is, um, that's Heavenly Father. That's not Heavenly Father. That's me being tired. Um, that is the adversary working against us, right? Um, they're clear works of the adversary. And so in this little section, usually we talk about the nature of God, the nature of Christ. And I feel like we almost have to talk about the nature of the adversary here to illustrate what Christ and God are not, if that makes sense. Um, and so if we look at verses 15 and 16, he talks about being seized upon by a power of darkness, um, not an imaginary ruin, which I love the language of that. Can we just appreciate that for a second? Because I think it's so crazy to me because, I mean, he's 1800s, right? And here in 2020, people think of Satan and people think of the devil. And I feel like there's almost this like, I don't know, tongue in cheek or like, this skepticism about him existing. Like he's this old world idea of like the boogeyman or being scared of the dark, you know, like when you're a little kid and that it's not, well, we're grown up now. Well, it's 2020, you know, like we still talking about this guy, like he's for reals and he is right. He's not. And I think even then in, you know, 1820, um, he, Joseph Smith had to clarify, he's not this imaginary ruin, you know, he's not this old world notion that, um, that is this powerless little thing. Um, I love that he, I mean, he describes Satan, he says, um, not an imaginary ruin, but to the power of some actual being from an unseen world who had such marvelous power as I have never before felt in any great be or any being. Um, and of course we know immediately after he has the, um, when he feels like he's about to descend into the depths, he sees the pillar of light he, and he's saved from this, ima this imaginary ruin, this not imaginary ruin. Um, he's saved from the adversary and heavenly father and Christ come to him. And then he gets to feel the fullness of that power. And I always think about Moses, um, going up and talking with heavenly father and Christ. And then he comes down and, um, Satan is there and is like, Hey, you should worship me. And he's like, Pfft why? Like <laughs> I just had to go through this huge transformation to be able to talk to heavenly father and Jesus. Like I'm not doing any of that right now. Who the heck are you? <laughs> um, you don't have any power, right? Um, I always thought Satan, your timing on that one was a little off. And so I think he learned his lesson. And so he tried to get Joseph Smith before he had the vision, um, rather than after, because afterwards he seems kind of dinky, I guess. But, um, but I was just, it's, if you read the, when, if you, okay, first of all, read the other accounts, the way that he talks about this particular part in, um, 
in one of the other accounts just gave me the heebie-jeebies. Like it, like <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe I should read these in the morning because Satan is not this, he's not this unseen or he is unseen. He's not this un or this imaginary thing. Um, and I think his greatest tool in 2020 and in 1920 and in 1820 and in every age, because that was the modern age at one point was being like having people scoff and be like, yeah, the devil. Okay. Crazy person. You know what I mean? And so I think, um, a lot of time, like even for me, like saying the word Satan, I feel like a little bit, um, like silly, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, I feel like adversary for me is a more, um, a word to take more seriously. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think it's something that you should consider. Like think about how you think about Satan. Do you, do you see him as this, um, kind of like hokey imaginary thing? Or do you recognize that he is real and can have power over your life if you let him? Um, because I think it's very important to be aware that it's real, right? That opposition is there. Um, because if we're not aware of it, then it's a lot easier for him to sneak in. Um, you have to, you don't guard against, uh, power you don't believe in. You don't guard against an enemy you don't see coming or does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Okay. Um, and then the last one I wanted to touch on in that same kind of context of works of the adversary is, um, chat or is verse 22, um, where he talks about how he is this 15 year old boy, 14, 15 year old boy. Um, but men of high standing would take notice to sufficient to ex excite the public mind against me, um, uniting all to, or, un and, and united, I added the end, um, all to persecute me. And I always thought that was such an interesting thing. Cause it's like, you know, why not, why not just wait? Like, why bother? Why bother? If he's just this crazy 15 year old, crazy 14, 15 year old kid, then just be like, oh yeah, there goes crazy Joe Smith. But they didn't, you know, and it was because the adversary was really pushing against him because he, he was such an important part of, um, of the restoration, right? We know this. Okay. So the one thing I wanted to say, the other thing I wanted to say in this section, um, when we're talking about heavenly father is that God is the same, right? And Joseph Smith says this in a couple of the other um, vision, first vision accounts, that he knows that God is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. And so why, like, I've always thought this, like, it's so interesting because, you know, Joseph Smith had this, this um, experience as well where people were like, no, God doesn't talk to people anymore. I know he used to, but he doesn't do that anymore. And it's like, Okay, so then he is a changing God. No, he absolutely is not a changing God, right? We know this from Joseph Smith's first vision, from revelation we've received in the modern days, from revelation we receive our personal selves, um, that God talks to his children. Um, and then here's where I wanted to look at this quotation by um, President Nelson from Hear Him. And he says, all human beings are sons and daughters of a loving father in heaven, that he has a divine plan for our lives and 
his son, Jesus Christ, speaks today as well as in days of old. And then he also says the heavens are open, um, which I just love. Heavenly Father is a loving father, and he's not going to talk to his children in the early days and talk to his children, um, you know, in ancient times, and then suddenly decide in modern times, yeah, I'm done talking to those guys. Like, he's not going to just suddenly abandon us. Um, he is going to talk to us if we are willing to listen. Um, okay. And then, uh, so first Nephi 10, eight verses eight and nine. And then also verse 11 in that same chapter, all kind of go around that same concept of God is the same. And God talks to us if we are willing to listen. Okay. So let's jump to plan of salvation. What are we learning about the plan of salvation here? Um, and again, I want to jump over to a hear him quotation, um, because 2020 has been a year, right? And this was when it stuck out to me, um, when I listened to it in the April, 2020 conference. And then when I was reading this again for this, um, podcast, it stuck out to me again. And it says it has never been, this is again, president, um, president Nelson, it has never been more imperative to know how the Spirit speaks to you than right now. In the Godhead, the Holy Ghost is the messenger. He will bring thoughts to your mind, which is the Father, which the Father and the Son want you to receive. He is the comforter. He will bring you a feeling of peace to your heart. He testifies of truth and will confirm what is true as you hear and read the word of the Lord. Okay. And I think about like as a parent, right? I, okay. For me, I feel like parenting is like the teeny tiny minuscule miniature version of what heavenly father does. Right. Um, he takes care of bajillion, gajillion numbers. So big English major can't say it souls of us, right? Everybody who ever has been born, everybody who is here, everybody who ever will be born, we're all under Heavenly Father's care. Um, I only have to take care of my 3.9 babies right here in the, on the planet. Um, and so as a parent, I think about how I have to parent my kids differently. Like, right, the way that I parent my oldest is a little bit different than the way that I parent my um, second kid. My second kid is very much the kid where if you say her name a little too hard, she just bursts in into tears. <laughs> Um, whereas my first kid, you kind of have to scream like, Joya before she's like, what? <laughs> um, and, and so I, I'm aware of these things. And so the way that I parent is a little bit different. The rules are the same, right? We still don't do, we still don't hit in this house. Um, but the way that I teach the rules are a little bit different depending on the kid, because I know that one kid is going to learn things a certain way and the other kid's going to learn things in a different way. And the Holy Ghost is no different. Heavenly Father and the plan of salvation is no different. Heavenly Father knows each of us are individual. Um, and because Heavenly Father and the Holy Ghost and Christ are all part of the Godhead and they're all part, they're all on the same team, the Holy Ghost knows this too. And so he speaks to each of us differently based on what we're going to hear based on 
how we learn. Um, and the trick for us is figuring out, okay, well, what's the Holy Ghost? How does the Holy Ghost talk to me? Right. And for some people, like I remember, um, I was talking to somebody and they're like, I don't get the burning in the bosom. Like that everybody talks about when it comes to feeling the Holy Ghost. It's like, I don't get that. I feel peace, but I don't feel like this, like burning in the bosom. I knew somebody who, um, felt the Holy Ghost and would get chills, right? Like goosebumps. And that's how she felt the Holy Ghost. Um, I've heard of people that they're like, oh, I always, I always get my answers through music or I always get my answers through reading the scriptures or, you know, and so they had learned how heavenly father through the Holy Ghost speaks to them. Um, and it's very important that we figure that out for ourselves. And if you're not sure, I recommend praying and being like, Heavenly Father, I, I want to learn better how the Holy Ghost speaks to me and then pay attention, write down what you're feeling, write down the experiences that you're having and see if you can find that pattern. Um, in the, um, Joseph Smith history, um, verse 13, I think this is one of the most important parts of the plan. The most, one of the most important parts of the plan is our agency, right? We have to make choices, even the, the choices to not make a choice. That's still making a choice. Um, and verse 13, he says at length, I came to the conclusion that I must either remain in darkness and confusion or else I must do as James directs. That is ask of God. Um, and I think that if we don't, we're still making a choice, right? It ultimately, it comes down to, we have to decide, do I want to stay in this darkness? Do I want to stay in this confusion? Or do I want to know, right? What do I want to do? Um, and that's such an important part of the plan of salvation. And I think it's such an important part of the story of the, um, first vision, because obviously he makes the choice to find out and opens up the, shows us that the heavens are open, right? Okay. Application. Um, I want to read one more quote by one more quotation by president Nelson. This is from, um, revelation for the church revelation for our lives. And he says, to be sure there are many times when you feel as though the heavens are closed, but I promise that as you continue to be obedient, expressing gratitude for every blessing the Lord gives you. And as you patiently honor the Lord's timetable, you will be given the knowledge and understanding you seek. Every blessing the Lord has for you, even miracles, will follow. Um, and I think, you know, if we look at um, 1 Nephi uh, chapter 15, verse 11, and if we look at um, Joseph Smith history, verse um, 13 that we were just looking at a second ago, both of these echo this idea that ultimately it's up to us, right? We have to make the choice. We have to be the ones who act. And I think when the, the biggest application I can get, I got from these sections is, um, when you have questions, when you have concerns, when you have doubts, voice those concerns and those doubts to heavenly father, pray about them, um, and ask. And I think when we do those things, 
we will get answers. We will all, we will always get an answer. Um, I'm going to read the verse in Nephi real quick. Um, he says, if you will not harden your hearts and ask me in faith, believing that ye shall receive with diligence and keeping my commandments, surely these things shall be made known unto you. And I think it's so important to remember that as members of the church, we are held to a higher standard than say, um, someone who is just investigating the church and has not made sacred covenants. We have to be following the commandments and doing the things that we know we're supposed to do in order to be aligned to hear our answers. Um, if we're not doing the things that we know we're supposed to be doing, it's going to be a lot harder for us to hear the answers um, versus somebody who has not made those sacred covenants praying to know if the church is true. They're going to receive an answer differently than we will. Um, and I think it's important that we make sure that we are following the commandments and that we're praying knowing that we're going to receive an answer, right? You have to have that faith there. Faith and fear can't exist in the same place. And I will see you next.